0: Hey everyone, welcome back to the It's a Mind Game podcast. My name is Jade. I'm a personal trainer, mindset coach, specializing in HA and ED recovery. And today I'm super excited to be celebrating one of our fabulous ladies, Karen, who was in the HA community with both Claudia and I, and we're here celebrating her wonderful success, the return of her period, the change of lifestyle, a whole new take on the healthy living experience. Welcome, Karen. Thank you, Jade. Super excited to be here. I've been excited for this call all week, because as we were just saying before we started recording, it's been a little while since we've had a chat. So um, I'm excited to have a review on your journey and also to sort of dive into where you're at now. Um, Let's set a bit of a scene for our listeners, because obviously they don't know your experience like I do. Do you want to perhaps start by sharing with us a little bit about what your behaviors were like before healing your HA? And I guess where it led you to by the time you got your period back. Yeah, definitely. So for about two years before I reached out to you and Claudia, I was
1: just exercising every single day, predominantly cardio. And that was mostly made up of long runs. And I just felt incredibly drained, although I thought it was just kind of commonplace. I was like, no, surely, you know, this is what I meant to feel like. It's just part of living in a productive and a productive and kind of go getter our society. Um, but then in about April, I thought with a lot of introspection, something just fundamentally feels so imbalanced deep within my kind of heart and my mind. And um, I definitely felt like I was on the verge of burnout. So I reconvened with myself, spoke to my sister and said, I've been listening to all these podcasts and I feel like I might have X, Y, and Z. Um, Obviously, I don't want to go completely down self-diagnosis, although that can be valid for some people. I just want that kind of um, external um, guidance. And then I found your wonderful program. And then I was like, I think this is it. And it's been fantastic.
0: Wonderful. Now, a few things sort of happened when you sort of heard about HA and then started to, oh, is this actually me? Because it's one thing to kind of be hooked on our behaviors, but it's another thing to then go, oh, perhaps what I need in order to get my health back is breaking up with these behaviors. Did you experience a little bit of a back and forth before reaching out to Claudia and discussing the program? Or as soon as you learned what HA was, you kind of just went, no, that's it. I want to deal with this. And it was kind of you know, head first into the water.
1: Yeah, I think you already put it so well. It's like this argument with yourself that's perpetual, where you're like, oh, like I know deep down that I need to overcome whatever is stopping me from being a more balanced person. But at the same time, you're like, if right now, this is my whole identity, exercising all the time, restricting food, um, being like, in the perceived idea of your mind, like this perfect disciplined person. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, you just get to a point where you're like, I'm so drained. And when you speak to other women who go through the protocol, they say the same thing. It's just like, despite feeling like that's your whole identity, you just need to be okay challenging it. Um, And
0: you feel a billion
1: times better for it afterwards.
0: What did you find most challenging about entering the program and making initial changes, whether it be both to nutrition, exercise, and then obviously the umbrella of of mindset? Mm, Such a complex question because it's
1: really multifaceted. I think firstly, I was scared I would lose my communication and my confidence and my sense of self-awareness, which ironically have all been strengthened I think by this process um but that was also just a misguided fear like it was completely produced by anxiety it wasn't substantiated by anything logical um and then I also felt as though people would look at me and think Karen is so disciplined who has she become she's put on weight and I think that's a huge fear that women do battle with and men alike actually it's just something that we need to realize people most of the time aren't actually thinking about you they're thinking about themselves Mm -hmm. so we have to really deconstruct that and just say if I think going on this journey part of which means I have to put on some weight but that's not the main objective that doesn't mean that people are going to change their their kind of um sense of valuing me and also what I can give to the world more broadly
0: mm, it's such an interesting perspective though isn't it because when you're in it it mm. is hand on heart the truth people will judge me if I change they're going to think I let myself go or that I don't care anymore or that or, or that something's wrong like you know what's what's going on why have you turned your back on all these things that you prioritize for so long but once the experience begins and you actually start leaning into making changes and opening, I guess, your perception to how the worldview is instead of how you're kind of almost making the reality form because our perception kind of shapes how we view everything. And if we choose to go, people will judge me on this. Well, of course, we're going to make decisions based on that. But then we start to challenge these perceptions. And as you beautifully said, it's like no one's actually thinking about us in the way that we think that they are. Mm -hmm. And if you were to entertain the idea that perhaps they are thinking about our health, more often than not, coming from a place of HA, often people are kind of worried, right? Mm. It's like, you know, she's exercising so much or perhaps she's you know, eating like a mouse or she's lost so much weight. Or So even if the those thoughts or judgments of people are coming in, it's not in the way that we believe they are. We mm. think they're coming in from judgment where a lot of the time they're coming in from a place of care. Is that something that you noticed with your experiences as well, that if you were to go, you know what, sometimes people do think about me and, and perhaps... Trying to work out what's going on, but it's not what I thought they thought was going on.
1: Yeah, completely. And I think I definitely had that glass shattering moment probably a handful of times as I was going through the first three to four months of that mental and physical recovery, because I remember just opening up when I felt like I was ready to. I didn't do it from the get go. And I think that's important to just kind of preface. Uh, When I opened up to friends and my sister, etc., they all had the same sentiment to share, which was like, when I saw you at this particular period and you had lost all the weight and I was so concerned about you, but I felt like I couldn't tell you. And then I just noticed you kept on being that skinny for a long time and you just seemed really fit. I never thought there was really necessarily a epic problem, but I felt like there was something that I wanted to discuss with you. And maybe it would make you uncomfortable because, you know, in in the society that we live in, body shaming and insecurities is such a huge area that we need to be conscious of. So I I think I was definitely taken aback by how many people had those thoughts and concerns, um, and that I didn't kind of check in with myself enough, at least in the way that they had they were hoping for for me to realise that.
0: If they had have come to you and had the conversations they were thinking about, like Karen, you know, you're you're running all the time and you've lost heaps of weight. I'm 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 kind of concerned. Is everything okay? Do you think that question would have been well received, or do you think you would have gotten defensive about it? Definitely defensive, and I hate to admit
1: that. So I like to consider myself open minded, but reflecting on those few years. I just was so uptight because I was constantly in this fight or flight response. I was just pumped mm-hmm. with cortisol and I just was not my best self. Like I was really short tempered. Um, I was not particularly compassionate, which was completely contradictory to my inner, my inner identity. And so whenever someone tried to give me that kind of feedback, I was like, how dare you question my regimen? Like I've worked so hard to to keep this. And I think you're basically tearing down everything that has made me who I am,
0: at least in this Mm -hmm. moment. Thank you for answering that, honestly, because the half the reason I ask is because I I felt the same way and a lot of women that I speak to are the same way as well. It's like if someone had put that question forward, I would have been like, what do you know? Or I would have dismissed it completely or everything's fine or I'm just fit or I'm just healthy or, you know, um, those walls would instantly go up. But then also on the flip side, I remember having moments, especially when I was you know, quite unwell with, I guess, the mental health and ED side of things, is having moments where I was like, why doesn't anyone ask if I'm mm-hmm. okay? Even though I knew if they had have, I would have just been like, everything's fine. <laughs> like it wouldn't have been well received. But I, I think that's how complicated sometimes our thoughts can be. It's like as much as we want someone to notice, we are also can't stand the idea of being vulnerable if questioned right because we can come snippy and even sometimes parts of our personality show that we actually don't like that much like for me I would think uh there was the potential for me to think something like well what would you know you know what would you know about health and fitness to be questioning my my routines and when I think about my true nature that's not actually my true nature I'd be more like oh tell me why you think that like I want to know what What's bringing this on? Because I'm quite an inquisitive, curious person. But when I was sort of trapped into those thoughts and behaviours, as you said, cortisol surging and you're not thinking and feeling the way that your true authentic self is. How do you think your personality has been shaped since going from the structure, the rigidity, the fatigue to having some kind of flexibility, freedom and I guess letting people back in again? Like, have you noticed that socially... You're actually connected and you feel human versus kind of showing up, smiling, being a textbook friend, but you're not kind of feeling it. You're just doing it, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I think life felt very mechanical, which is
1: also incredibly sad because I'm very young. So I think like, you know, that first half of your 20s should feel very vibrant and i like i guess all of life should but it's just this period where you do grow quite exponentially and i think i was limiting so much of that social and spiritual and emotional growth Mm -hmm. um for for like output that at the end of the day, wasn't as valuable as I thought it was. Mm -hmm. Um, So now like I do go and socialize with friends and I feel quite calm and I feel present and I actually want to be there before I was like, all I want to do is go home and lie in bed or read a book. Like I was became so introverted because Mm -hmm. I just didn't have the capacity to be there for people because I was draining myself all day already. Mm -hmm. Um, And the other thing I would say is just, I lived with my sister, during that period and then had a break and then live with her now and when we're passing in a corridor let's say I actually feel calm and centered enough to just have a conversation even though it's not scheduled per se and before I'd be like I can't talk to you like I was just so rude mm-hmm. and, and it just really definitely added this extra weight to our relationship that was so unfair on her, but I was just super lucky that she's an incredibly compassionate and understanding person that she never held that against me. But I think it's just when you're in the position that I was in being cognizant of how you are coming across to people and how that might be tarnishing your relationships because I know for a fact friends felt neglected by me and then that, that it's that's never something I would intentionally try and produce, but it was just sadly like collateral damage.
0: Yeah, I, I love that you brought that up because it's something that again is so common and not often discussed, which as you described, it's like when the cup is empty, every communication you have feels like it needs to be scheduled. So as you said, that corridor example, it's like, yeah, yeah, we didn't plan for this, so I'm not investing in it. Like I've got to go do X, Y, Z things. But then once you can let your guard down and your, your cup's actually full, you realise that that quick chat in the corridor was probably a 60-second chat, right, because we get these ideas that everything takes so long and everything's mm-hmm. going to be a nuisance to our routine and it's going to get in the way of our plans. And when you kind of look in hindsight, like, oh, wow, it's it's even a little bit selfish sometimes too. Like I, I couldn't stop for two seconds to have like literally a a one minute chat, um, just as a, you know, polite gesture, because I was so inward as to every other plan that I had. Um, Have you noticed little things like that, where perhaps you had these ideas that when you caught up with people or just had random chats, that it had to meet a one hour criteria, it had to be an extensive chat for it to count, like there wasn't this kind of um, like little tidbit kind of Mm check-in, flowy, spontaneous, random, and there wasn't a like quality reassurance check on everything. Like you can actually just have a chat with no expectation and that's completely okay.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think when you're in that mindset of feeling like everything has to be so rigid, you come out of the social experiences not feeling more centered but arguably less Mm -hmm. because you're not being present enough in the moment to listen to the person and learn from them and therefore you're not reflecting on how that might shape your own perception of that reality or your own values for the better. Whereas now, if I think about interacting with people and I think this conversation is a good example of that, like I feel like, you know, I'm I'm engaged and I'm stimulated and I will feel better for it after the fact. Mm. But yeah, if you're constantly got a wall up, you're just never gonna feel like you're spiritually growing. And I think that really um links back to something Claudia said quite beautifully at the beginning of the protocol which is um this is one perception but if you're skinny in terms of your physique you might be also small in terms of your emotional capacity and your spiritual capacity and you kind of you might be even limiting some intellectual growth and I think it it does feel very true now that I'm on the other end
0: Mm. yeah it's beautifully spoken by her indeed because it, it very much is that it's like if you're restricting in one area of your life how else is it being restricted versus sort of giving receiving and and seeing what flows and flourishes from that how how's your whole relationship with exercise changed because socially there's been big changes and you've also mentioned spiritually you feel a lot more connected centered um personally I even feel like a lot of your language has changed since you and I first met on that uh, sort of like grounding mm-hmm. and I want to say empathetic realm even. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love to hear your insight on that as as well as the, the exercise side of things too. Mm. Um, I still love
1: exercising. I always have. Um, and I think that's something that will never change. It's just I've mixed it up. So in, instead of running, an excessive amount I would just do some running per week and then I will dance as well because I've always loved dancing and I did train when I was younger so I decided to open that kind of Pandora box again um and that's been so beautiful I've really loved it and I've also got back into swimming so it's just about I think diversifying Mm -hmm. and Being okay with pulling away cardio because you realize there's a point at which, when you're doing so much cardio, it's not giving you more energy, it's not Mm -hmm. boosting your happiness levels, it's actually doing the opposite. So, I think I found the middle point where I do a bit of cardio, a bit of strength, and just also just light walking um, or stretching. And that's all a product of the great program that you and Claudia put together. And I think it's it's so easy to maintain after the fact because you realize, well, the main motivation is how good I feel. So why would I keep doing it? Mm,
0: that makes me so happy to hear <laughs> because it's, it's right. If you can be led by what actually makes you feel good and instills health, like that's the North Star and it will be unique to you. As you said, you're a person who loves movement. And I think that's one thing that kind of gets rolled over a little bit with the HA recovery thing is that you've got to reduce exercise and you can never go back. And that's really scary. And for some women, they reduce the exercise or they stop and it's, they're okay with it. Like it's no big deal. They just go for walks, do a bit of stretching. But for many of us, myself included, like exercise is a part of my character. Like I I love it and not in an impulsive obsessive way, just because it lights me up. Like I feel so good doing it. Um, And I love that you brought in the versatility side of things because I can't help but think that the relationship dynamic has changed so much from that sort of cardio only where you're sort of shackled to a particular experience and perhaps even only an end outcome like I just have to run the 10k I just have to run 30 minutes I just have to get the step count where now you're kind of going well well, what's going to light me up today or what's going to feel really good on my body today is it dancing is it swimming um it's the end game is what's going to make me feel better and be more connected mind and body versus perhaps just that the tick box of getting something done. Mm
1: -hmm. And I think something that really helped me as well is I always try and remind my mind that exercise to a large extent is something that we have also constructed into this somewhat superficial lens for media purposes and body image. And I think for if you look, and people might say you can't compare us to centuries ago, but if you look at human history, a lot of the time we weren't manufacturing exercise is this thing. Mm, (laughs) 45 minute outputs or whatever it is, it wasn't necessarily so regimented. It Mm -hmm. was like moved your body as part of work because work was more physical historically Mm -hmm. and when you look at even like great interviews or you read interviews with like centenarians and they talk about how you know they garden two hours a day and that is quite physically demanding Mm -hmm. but it's not necessarily me running down a street Mm -hmm. kind of almost saying I'm doing it and I'm pushing through the pain um, for a mental kind of to prove some mental goal and physical goal. Like it's not always about that. You can do that sometimes and that's great, mm-hmm. but also realize that there's so many other ways to move your body that are potentially more beneficial in certain in certain contexts and for certain people.
0: It's such an interesting topic that you brought up. And as you said, my like little ears are just pricking up because you're right that allocating time to move is a very new concept when you think about the whole history of human human race and if you compare laboring to exercise the outcomes are so different like if you're laboring over something you have built something by the end of the experience you've grown something by the end of the experience um intuitively it, it is a different experience compared to go to the gym pick something up put it back down run as fast as you can for 45 minutes um so one could argue heart rate, calories burnt, whatever else, it's the same, but it's it's not like spiritually, it's actually so, so different. Um I don't want to go to rave around on that because I feel like I could talk to you about that for quite a long time. Um perhaps there's a part two in this. Um I am curious though, when you think about the protocol and I guess on reflection now, is there any other aha moments, I guess, that sort of stood out to you? And What benefits do you see to actually seeking help for this process versus perhaps doing it by yourself? Because either way, you can absolutely get a wonderful result, but what do you think in particular made receiving help a good choice?
1: Yeah, I, I think that's a really important question and particularly resonates with me because I'm someone who I would say is incredibly independent and I take pride in achieving things that way. But I must say, I really don't think I could have done this without you and Cardia because it's just this accountability network. And it also kind of it kind of cushions the blow of letting go of things that you think are the be all or end all in terms of defining who you are, because you can talk about it each week in the group calls and no one really understands it as much as the girls there, Um, you know, comparing it to the people in my life. So I think it's something that is so important because it probably mitigates a lot of isolation that you might otherwise feel. And I'm not saying it's the perfect approach for everyone, but I think even if you perceive yourself as being a go-getter, perhaps getting help is even more warranted because it can help you challenge some kind of perceptions you have of yourself in terms Mm -hmm. of like, you can put so much pressure on you and you're going to get it all done. But sometimes it's good to get a lending hand. So, yeah, I think it's just
0: kind of being honest and compassionate with where you want to go. Mm. And, like, as you said, there's a lot of growth in actually asking for help because if you've always had that personality, I can do it myself, I can do it myself. But when you've got that go getter mentality, I think, you know, the HA recovery process, whatever that looks like for you, because it's so different for the individual, it can both play for you and against you because the go getter part is like, yeah, but we should be pushing harder where HR recovery is more, let's go slow and tune tune inward. So as you said on the accountability front, unless you've kind of got that conscious reminder of what our goals are for the day or what we're actually trying to achieve, it's so easy to lapse back into um, the previous mindset because it's been so well rehearsed and it's somewhat easy. But in order to kind of slow down and, and change lanes, I guess you could say, um, you kind of need that, that daily reminder on, on what the plan is. On the tail end of things, HR recovery, you've had a few periods now, you seem happy, healthy, things are going well. How do you feel like your life has benefited from actually prioritising your health and mentally, physically, spiritually getting more in line with what you actually value instead of perhaps what society says is the most important?
1: Yeah, well, I think there's so many ways I could conceptualise this, but the one that comes to mind more frequently is I think there's so many different chapters in every single year of your life. And you could take, let's say, hypothetically, a hundred different paths, depending on how long those chapters are. But I decided to take this one because it felt the most right for this period. And in terms of how I've grown to answer your question more um, directly, I, I think it touches on so much that we've discussed in terms of just noticing that it's okay to feel discomfort and it's okay to feel like you don't know how to maybe um, be compassionate towards yourself because those things can be addressed. But it's just more so being aware of your knowledge deficits and your skill deficits and being open to working on them. And I think this protocol is the chapter that has enabled me to do that. So kind of effortlessly, I want to say, Although I might have not said that at the beginning, but (laughs) (laughs) towards the end and something that um, you reminded me of as you're speaking just a moment ago was through that accountability framework. So many conversations that I had with you and Claudia, you'd say something and I just laugh because I was like, I know you're right (laughs) about something that like I was kind of mentally holding myself back from, but I just needed you guys to say it and for me to have this comedic relief in order to realize that the rep- reprieve was so satisfying that that is my motivation to overcome the kind of, the almost like silly thing that I was doing in that moment.
0: Yeah, I love that. That's beautiful. And, and as you said, the comedic relief is really helpful, especially when you're having these kind of like epiphanies as to how you're thinking and why you're thinking it. Um, just sort of retracing back to what you said earlier, that you know, a prime example is people actually don't think about you the way you think they do. And when you first hear that, you might kind of go, oh, that's a bit harsh. But then a little bit later, you're like, oh, my gosh, yeah, they really don't. Like it's a bit funny that I thought that everyone was thinking about me in this particular way. It's so dramatic. Um, With that in mind, I I guess one more big question before we wrap things up. The things that you feared most about HA recovery, were they as scary once you got through them? So, like, let's say if you had the fear of weight gain, it might have helped terrifying but then you gained a little bit of weight and it it wasn't that bad right it might have been uncomfortable or perhaps reducing exercise seemed like a horrific idea and then you did it and it turns out it felt kind of nice on your legs or mentally it was like what kind of happened there with how you perceived fear versus how the experience actually played out
1: Mm -hmm. that's a really good question um I think I want to be completely honest with myself and with everyone that I think it was super hard and it wasn't as enlightening, I think, in those early stages. Um, Like I felt like I was kind of constantly scratching a scab and it just just, it kept on slightly bleeding. And then I just realized I need to stop kind of scratching. Scratching it and just go full in and just put the band aid and like let it heal. So, basically, what I'm trying to say is that I was kind of like trying to reduce exercise, but wasn't doing it as much as I should have. And then I was like, I just need to completely let go and then let myself heal a bit and then bring it back in, which would be in the analogy context, ripping off the band aid to see just there's a little bit of scar left but it's kind of a scar that you look at and you almost want to kiss because you're like, it's a part of who I am. And I want to, I want to kind of have this legacy around, yes, something was super hard, but that's why I feel as satisfied and fulfilled as I do in this moment.
0: That's beautiful. And I, I actually love how much you, how well you described that and with the analogy of the mandate of the scab, because I got the full visuals I'm like, Oh, that's, (laughs) <laughs> it's perfect. It's quite a perfect description. Um It's been wonderful chatting. I'm so grateful that you one joined the program and got such wonderful, wonderful results. And to see you in front of me right now being so happy and joyful and calm. You seem just so calm and ready for the day, which is really, really cool. Um, And to obviously catch up because it's been a little while since we've had a chat. Um, If anyone wants to reach out, I am going to pop your details for your Instagram in the show notes if they feel like having a chat. Uh, But for now, is there any last words you'd like to share before we finish up?
1: I think I'd just say if someone is doubting themselves That is normal. That's not necessarily an indication that you're going to make the wrong decision. So maybe lean into doubt because it's an opportunity for discovery.
0: Some powerful words by Karen. I'm like, damn, why can't we talk about this? Um, Thanks so much for joining us. I'm sure the listeners are absolutely going to love it. Ladies, if you are listening or watching, please subscribe or leave a comment. I'd love to hear from you. And for now, enjoy the rest of your day and we'll talk soon. Bye-bye.